0: Signpost In Podcast, a space at life's crossroads for a refreshing pause and a bit of reflection. My name is Brandon, and I'm really glad you're here. I invite you to join me and my friends, Matt and Peter, for a friendly back porch conversation about prayer, Christian spirituality, faithful theology, and much more. So pull up a chair, grab a drink, and get comfortable as we start today's show. And when we're done, don't forget to visit us at signpostin.org to find out more about all that our ministry offers. Hey, Matt, it's good to see you back on the back porch. It has been a while. It's good to see you too, Brandon. I'm really excited. We have started off 2023 with a bunch of interviews. And so this is like Kind of one of our first episodes back from several interviews. And we're recording this during the season of Lent. And that seems very appropriate as a time to talk about, well, saying things like, I'm sorry and I have limitations. And so, (laughs) first of all, listeners, that's what the episode is going to be about. I heard this dad joke, and this has been one, I've been wanting to do a podcast on this for a while. And the dad joke is that the three hardest things to say in the English language are, I'm sorry I need help and work wor- 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 just wor- 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 sauce Worcestershire <laughs> wor- wor- work Worcestershire sauce or whatever however you say that word which is I think is absolutely true that is mm-hmm. one of the hardest things in the English language to say <laughs> um, mm-hmm. anyway I may be the only one that finds that funny but <laughs> I think that's very true so that's what we're gonna talk about today but we're gonna leave out Worse, just your sauce. We're going to talk about, I need, sorry, and I need help. But before we do that, Matt, because it's been so long since you and I've talked, I want to talk just briefly to you and ask you if you know all the stuff that signpost in is doing this coming year, because this is a great opportunity to talk about that.
1: Yeah. Well, I know, I know a few things I know because I personally know a friend that, that is here in my hometown that is actually going to be going up to the special prayer retreat for young professionals
0: that's specifically for them, which
1: is, is so exciting and she's so excited and it's, it's super neat. uh, Because you're in Colorado and I'm in Texas and it's so neat to meet people that have been to a, a, a prayer retreat because they're like, Oh, you get it then because you've been there and you've done it. And it's kind of it's almost like a special club. It's like, oh, you're one, too. You're a sign poster. This is cool. <laughs> what did God tell you while you were there? And it's just sort of this profound thing. And it, it's it's I'm excited for the people that are going because uh, uh, it's just so great. And God did so many great things for for me in my life and for my wife. And it's so neat to, to see people begin that journey. I I can't wait.
0: Yeah, that is cool. I did not know that. That's great. Yeah. That's the, like, that's the next big thing that's happening. That's coming up really quick, actually, March 10th through 12th, which I almost certainly this episode will be published after that thing, (laughs) right? (laughs) Or at least on the day it starts. So if this, if you're listening on March 10th, then sorry, you missed the opportunity to come to our young, young adults conference. Um, we also have some other cool things coming up, especially if you're in Colorado. I know that not every most of the people probably listening aren't, but if you are in Colorado, on April 1st, my wife is doing a Stations of the Cross tour at a, a beautiful, beautiful Stations of the Cross Shrine in San Luis, Colorado, and it's free. You can just come along. It's pretty fantastic, and I plan to go. I haven't been to the shrine yet. She has gone And she just keeps raving about it. So if you're interested in Linton journey slash experience led by Leave Booth, you will not regret having done it. The sculptures are fantastic, first of all. They're also done by a local Colorado artist, which is kind of cool. We also have a virtual workshop coming up April 15th. It's a virtual workshop. That's also free. These are like, you should make, you should join us for these things that are free to find out what we're doing. A virtual workshop on contemplative prayer, April 15th free. It's 10 AM to 12 PM mountain time. We have another, our, our big prayer retreat in the spring is April 28th through May 1st. This is not free. However, you should definitely check it out. It's at our West cliff lodge. That's what Matt went to. Um, and it's going to be it's going to be absolutely gorgeous up there at that time of year the spring in the mountains is beautiful we have a one day retreat for pastors which is free coming up in July so if you're a pastor and you want to make it out to our our lodge in July for a day of just beauty and support mm. and good food mm. that's July 11th all day long totally free if you're a pastor or a pastor's spouse or a ministry leader we have it and then you can look at our schedule for the stuff that's happening in the fall that's all on our website signpostin.org. So that's all the stuff that's happening. I had to do that. Sorry. I'm not sorry. Oh, wait, hold on. I just said the word and that was what we were talking about. Right.
1: (laughs) Great great segue, Brandon. All right. Are you really sorry that you did that? I don't think you are.
0: I'm I'm really not. And that's the funny (laughs) part about this because we were just talking about that before we started recording (laughs) because we do say we're sorry a lot. All right. Let's talk, talk about the topic for today. I think that the, the joke, that the three hardest things to say, I'm sorry, I need help, and wor- that word. I think it's funny because it's on to something. Mm-hmm. It is really hard to actually admit fault, to actually say you're sorry, admit guilt, and take responsibility. Maybe I'm the only one that finds that to be true. But... Especially in my closest relationships, when I have sinned, when I have done something to hurt somebody, I find it incredibly difficult to admit that and Mm -hmm. to take responsibility, either just period or to take responsibility without caveat, right? Mm -hmm. So like I find it very easy to be like, well, I'm sorry you felt that way. I had good reason. (laughs) (laughs) Well but I find right. it very
1: and, and that's a that's a common thing too is is anytime there's an apology well and it's even that word apology is is a defense, right? It's not actually making amends or 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 asking forgiveness. And that's what's so funny about saying I'm sorry, because oftentimes, right on the heels of I'm sorry, we justify ourselves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Have you... Okay, I have, I have another dad joke really quick. The phrases, the words, I'm sorry, and I apologize, mean exactly the same thing, except at a funeral. Okay, I don't get it. <laughs>
1: except at a funeral. Yeah. You're going to have explain it to me, Brandon. I'm
0: sorry. I, I do not get it. Because <laughs> when you're at a funeral, you're like, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. But imagine standing there to the person who lost me and saying, oh, I apologize. <laughs> Oops! <laughs> yeah, that is a
1: dad joke. There's it a reason sucks. that I didn't. There's a reason I didn't get that. <laughs> uh, okay,
0: we can cut that l- if necessary. Listeners,
1: I apologize for what my co-host has said. <laughs> Please don't hold it against him.
0: He knows not what he does. Do I need? Do I need to take responsibility for this? <laughs> I find this very difficult, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Practical okay. application. Let's go. All right, let's. Uh, Returning to the topic. We're serious um, podcasters. You, oh, yes, yes, yes. That's what the back porch is all about, being serious. Okay. <laughs> but I do think it's a difficult. I think it's difficult to admit fault unconditionally, especially when it's true mm-hmm. that I actually have fault, that I actually mm-hmm. have done something wrong. Mm-hmm. I think it's extremely difficult to admit my limitations and say, I can't do this. I need help from somebody. And and then you kind of put these two things together and it's even more difficult, right? I'm in a <clears throat> I'm struggling with a habitual sin. I'm doing something wrong that I can't get myself out of. Mm-hmm. Or I'm stuck in a self-destructive cycle or a hurtful cycle. I can't get myself out of it. I don't know what to do. Those things to be seem to be feedback loops, negative feedback loops, right? Mm. The more I struggle with something and the less I want to ask for help, the more I struggle with it and therefore the less I want to ask for help. Sure,
1: yeah. Okay, I see and what again, you're saying. It's like a snowballing a lot, thing or a, or a yeah. death
0: spiral. It just it just keeps going. Right, which seems to be, in general, to me, that's just the nature of all sin. And I think the devil is very happy that that's the nature of all sin, right? Sin hides. And then because it hides, shame grows. And because shame grows, the more it feels it needs to hide. And therefore, the more that, you know, so like, in other words, without being too specific, I assume that everyone I'm talking to knows this cycle pretty intimately. We know what it feels like to be stuck in something like that, to be trapped in a lie. Mm -hmm. And I, I, in my experience, myself and most people that I talk to, when they're facing that, when they see that, the question they ask is, why, am I, why is it so hard to get out of this? And to be perfectly honest, I don't think that's particularly helpful. I think there's some helpful stuff to talk about theologically there. But a more interesting question is, will you admit fault? Hmm. Will you take responsibility? Will you admit you need help? Hmm. And to unpack more deeply for your particular self, what reasons, be specific, are preventing you from admitting that you're wrong or that you need help? Hmm. That seems to me to be much more helpful in this context.
1: Right. Well, and... and... <sighs> for me as as you're talking about this there it, it seems like that you automatically get into this this need to defend right defending yourself i mean we do it by nature right it, whenever we're perceiving something's at risk or there's some sort of a threat we go into a defense mode and if we're talking about this relationally saying, I'm sorry. And actually meaning it, it it's, it's a dangerous place because the, the status quo of that relationship is in jeopardy. This could mean loss. This could mean reciprocation. This could be, this could mean a lot of things. And so we need to manage, we need to control And we need to get on top of this because actually admitting fault and actually being vulnerable enough to say I was wrong puts you in a, it's, it's a vulnerable
0: position. Yeah. That hits at the very, the broadest and most general answer to the question. Why is it hard to say, I'm sorry. Why is it hard to admit limitation and ask for help? Is that it puts it, it, we are vulnerable. It admits our vulnerability. It admits our weakness. It admits our lack of control. It all it, there's many different ways in which that expresses itself for different personalities, but it makes us open. It exposes us to to harm, loss mm. of relationship, mm-hmm. disapproval. There's a you know, so it exposes us, and and I think that's the most general answer in some sense, which was which is sort of like saying. The reason it's hard to admit fault, the reason it's hard to ask for help, well, I don't know. But anyway, is, yeah, I think this is true, is SIN, capital S. We are Mm -hmm. broken people, and we are trying to secure our own futures. We are trying to create our own significance all the time. And failure especially of the kind that is sinful, that hurts people or offends God. And limitation exposes the lie at the root of sin. I can't secure myself completely. I can't create my own significance completely. Hmm. And that terrifies me.
1: (sighs) Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think it's... it's obviously true that none of us likes the feeling of being vulnerable and exposed no, nobody wants to be in that position nobody wants to be there and yet you can't you can't have a good understanding of grace or standing before god's throne without entering into that mm-hmm. nobody comes into god's presence with a pomp right Right. Which is how we tend to live our lives, right? Everything, much of what we do is, I mean, we wear clothes. I mean, for obvious reasons, right? But, you know, you... To,
0: <laughs> to project <laughs> an image.
1: Yeah. To, to proje- project
0: an image. Yeah. yeah, Pop, proje- I love that.
1: Yeah. And, and, and I mean, it's almost as if we're creating a false self to pre- present to the world to say this is who I am world this is this is my ideal self or a, or it's at least it's a safe self that I can put out mm-hmm. there so that you don't see the real me and the, because the real me can take damage this thing out here is isn't isn't really real so if you attack that I'm not really hurt by it I just have to mm-hmm. modify that fake image that I'm portraying
0: one of the things you said was None of us likes the feeling of being vulnerable and exposed. And it struck me at that moment, it was, unless, (laughs) unless it's with someone who's incredibly safe and who loves me, Mm -hmm. in which case, it's the thing I'd crave the most. I want to be vulnerable and exposed, open, known, Mm -hmm. deeply, without any defenses by someone who loves me and cares about me and who isn't going to harm me. I don't want to be vulnerable and exposed in the wilderness when there are tigers around. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, I mean, in one sense, in one sense, in this fallen world, the projection of an image, the wearing of clothes, the wearing of armor. hmm makes a certain amount of sense and isn't a bad thing, because there are tigers around. There are things that are trying to kill us, and we do need to have protection.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I wonder, Matt, do you think that the do you think like that one of the fundamental lies at the heart of our fallenness is that it is unsafe. That basically the, the lie, one of the lies that Satan is saying is it's unsafe to be vulnerable and exposed before God?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, and and I can't help but go back to the story in Genesis where Adam and Eve. What's the first thing they do whenever they 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 take the fruit? They go and make clothes out of fig leaves. Now, what's that about? You, you you've you've sinned against God. You've disobeyed, and the first thing you do is try to cover yourself.
0: Yeah, yeah, and they were ashamed.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we cover our shame you know, it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's it's completely natural for us to do that. And
0: the answer to your question is absolutely yes. Yeah. That is interesting that we, that shame, you know, we, we have to cover ourselves. We have to hide ourselves, protect ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, and not only that, but if, if the shame or the guilt that we're experiencing is genuine, if it's true, like, yes, mm-hmm. I'm caught in a lie with somebody I'm in a relationship with. I'm caught. There's no covering it up because they know about it. What the next response is, justify ourselves, right? Defend yeah. why we did and, and try to create a thing that gives us good grounds for doing what we did. Mm -hmm. even though it's still not solving the problem.
0: Yeah. So it makes me think about what makes it possible to drop the defenses. What makes... Oh, this. see, this is interesting to me. I I am willing to bet that many, many, many people listening to us to this point in the podcast, and I think I am one of those people, Mm -hmm. are assuming that the... The like practical application, the, okay, what are we advocating for is you have to be courageous enough to go out and admit your fault, to admit your limitations. You've got to just like, it's like this brute force. You suck because you haven't done it. Now you need to do it. Go admit your fault. Go ask for help. That the change, that the thing that needs to change in order to make it possible for you to do it is within you. And I don't think that's true. I think the change actually has to come from without. Like God has to show himself as a safe place for you to admit your fault before him. Hmm. Which that to me, so here we are in the season of Lent Mm -hmm. reflecting on our sin, but Lent is the preparation for Easter at the end of Lent is not the judgment judgment of God standing in nakedness trying to destroy us. At the end of Lent is the grace of God. I am not going to admit fault if I know that at the end of that, you're going to reject me, destroy me, never forgive me, make me be a permanent penitent, constantly remind me of my sin. I will never admit fault to that person.
1: Right. Right. Well, and and we we we've kind of been talking broadly about yeah the i think everything we've said so far is true of all relationships but there there ha- we have to reach a point where we start to say bring in the like you said the principle of grace and the principle yeah. of of forgiveness and the atoning death of Christ because if we're talking about our relationship with God why is it that we are able to admit i am a sinner the reason we are able to do that and especially when you compare it to uh, the surrounding religions of the day, you know, the Greeks would make sacrifices to earn, God's fa- earn the God's favor. And if that wasn't anything, then it was do the other things, defend, deny, justify, all those different things. But, but for, for the Christian, Christ's death atoned for the wrong. And because of that, there's also this principle of grace where God has this forbearance, right? It's just all over the New Testament. So because the debt is already paid and we have a gracious, loving father, we can enter into his presence without fear. It's still, it's still vulnerable. It's still exposing. We still go into those, into that presence and say, yes, I, I did that. I sinned again. I did it again. Mm -hmm. But because of those two features, the atoning death, the debt is paid and the abundant grace and love that's in that's there, it's it's doable. Without mm-hmm. those things, it's not doable. If you take mm-hmm. if you if you take that away, all relationships become transactional models.
0: Mm-hmm. I wanna, yeah. I want to focus on what the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is God incarnate. What that changes, like, what, so what you're what you're talking about to me? The if one of the most important effects of that is it it sh- it reveals God's heart. It reveals God's character. So I imagine it very much like the I have done wrong to, I have committed an evil in the presence of somebody who's a real jerk. You know, or I stand before a judge who who is known for being harsh and having no mercy. Mm-hmm. I will never, I will defend myself until the last breath, because I know that if I were to say, if I were to enter a guilty plea, that mm-hmm. that judge would, would bring down the harshest possible punish upon me, and I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. In my marriage relationship, if my wife had no love for me at all and was really out for herself and just what she could get from me, then I would never apologize to her Mm -hmm. because it would only result in me being abused and hurt and, you know, she'd hold it against me forever, all kinds of stuff, which is by the way, how relationships die. That's typically Mm -hmm. how they Mm -hmm. end up dying. Yep. Yep but what god has revealed himself to be in christ through the death and resurrection is the exact opposite of that kind of person if you enter a guilty plea in god's court you you can know for certain this is what's changed this is what i mean by saying it's doesn't it, the ability to say i'm sorry or the ability to admit limitation doesn't come from within me i don't have to i don't have to change something in me to be able to do this what's changed is God has shown himself as the one who, as the judge who will give the most lenient judgment possible, literally. You enter a guilty plea and God will come back with a not guilty verdict. And you know that. Like mm-hmm. that's the certainty of Christ. You stand in the marriage relationship with God and you have, you know, God presents us this way sometimes as the church, the people of God being his bride. You come to him and say, I've sinned against you. You know, I have been unfaithful to you, my husband. And you know for a fact, I know for an absolute certainty because of Christ and who he has shown God to be, that he won't hold it against me, that he won't bring it back up in the future, that he won't, that in fact, his response will be this like tender, loving, oh my gosh, I will help you. What do you need? I'll be there for you. I'll support you. I'll, you know, I mean, I'll clean you up and I'll bring you back in and I will, it's the prodigal son. I'll throw a party for you. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, that shift, it's that shift of who God is, not this shift within me. You know, it's like my context changes and now I can say, you're right, it's, it's perfectly safe. In fact, it's good to say I'm sorry and admit fault. Mm. it's perfectly safe. In fact, it's the best thing in the world to do to ask for help because the person God who I'm saying sorry to, and the person I'm asking for help from is intensely interested in good for me. Mm -hmm. Intensely likes me. Yeah. Yeah. I like that.
1: So, so let's maybe we're not ready for this. And if we need to, we can rewind. But let's, let's, let's draw that out now because that's true between us and our creator, between us and our Lord, how does that affect the rest of our relationships? Do we still yeah. live in that other reality where we have to deny, defend and justify? Or can we in our family relationships, in our church relationships in our, with our coworkers, are we able to carry that out of God's presence into the rest of the world?
0: Tell me what you think about this. I think that's a both and answer. Like the answer to that is a both and which is it's in you know it's wise as wise as serpents innocent as doves when we're dealing in the fallenness of the world.
1: Mm.
0: Right? Like the let's hold off the conversation about the church for a minute. Let's just talk about the world at large I think we do live in a jungle. I think we live in a place with a bunch of other fallen human beings. Many of whom, let's be honest, are out to get us. Whether out of their own sense of brokenness or whatever or some people who are just genuinely malicious. Like you you must be on your guard. Yeah. This no, is- I hear what you're saying. Yeah, you don't
1: you don't walk, you know, when you pull up to a gas station to get gas and you see a shady-looking character there, you don't assume the best of them. We're, yeah. we're, not, right. we're not gonna be fools here, right? And and it's funny because that reminds me that I once had a, a pastor explain the entire book of Proverbs gives us three categories of people. You've got the wise, who you want to get as close to as you can, you've got the fools who you want to keep at an arm's distance, and you have the wicked, which you want to avoid at all cost. You just yeah. don't don't have anything to do with the wicked because they are right. they're gonna they're
0: gonna lay a trap for you, right? And you're right. It would be foolish to not believe that that's actually a reality we live in. Like, it's even like this may be the, I don't know what, how this example will go, but it's even like, if you get pulled over by a police officer, you want to be wise. You, you don't, you don't just assume that he has your best interest in mind because he's wearing the badge. Right. You know, cause there are criminals who are cops not to, yeah. I'm not trying to be political. I'm just saying that, but there are criminals who are in every job. Crim- mm-hmm. Let me put a mm-hmm. different, there are sinners in every job. <laughs> sure. Sure. Well, and, and, you know,
1: we, we talk about the different categories of relationships. Sometimes we do find ourselves in careers and in work environments where we actually work for somebody who is, if, if they weren't constrained by laws or by social convention, by by any number of things, they would do everything they can to exploit us. I mean, right. let's face it some some of us who are listening to this or have have had mm-hmm. jobs at one point where the manager that they worked was a tyrant and cared mm-hmm. nothing about you. And so, yeah, that's different, right? They're, they are right. A, they are an actual threat, right? And we all, right. and we also live in in the modern world where threats exist. So, so yep. we're. That's that's acknowledged, and we're not, again, we're not going to be fools. We're going to be wise. But let's say that that we're not in that situation, so we we can address avoid yeah. the wicked. But what about sure. whenever we? What about our our real relationships? What about our family relationships? What about right. relationships we have with our our, our friends and our local congregation and our churches? Yeah, can you say I'm sorry and admit you need help in those relationships?
0: Yeah. It seems to me like we narrow the circles, like we're we're like right. doing concentric circles, right? Here's the world. Be wise. Narrow it down now to your closer friends and churches, and you know your your relationships with people who are around you. And again, to me, that seems to be a both and question, or or a maybe better stated, the be, the answer is contextualized based on the people in that relationship, the circumstance you're in, etc. So like you can't even assume that your church is going to always respond well to you. It's made up of fallen people. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's another circle or at least another context in which we can talk, but I think still at this point, even in your family, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I just, I think my wife and I, I think we navigate this fairly well in our relationship now. So I did something dumb the other day and offended her and I was, and I was kind of putting up walls and she was really mad at me. And to be fair, she was right. Okay. Let's, let's, let's just be clear. She was right. The thing I had done was hurtful and I needed to apologize, but I also know our relationship. Like there, when the anger is really high and the, and the, the, the emotions are very present, that's not the time to be like, okay, let's, let's just lay it all out. And we have to wait until it calms down. Like mm-hmm. there's a, there's a wisdom there, right? Then we can have a normal conversation. I can say, I'm sorry. She can hear it. She can apologize for anything she may need to apologize for. I can hear it. And, and we're, and the two of us aren't tempted to hold it against each other as right. we are right after the thing has happened, you know, cause like right after the fight, I'm just red in the face and ticked off. It's probably not the best time for her to come and say, "Totally, I'm sorry." With no, you know, she she's got to be a little careful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to use me as the example. Now that so I, I mean, just there's wisdom there too, right? Sure.
1: Right. Yeah. And I mean, essentially, I think what we're getting at here, or I think as Christians, we are people of reconciliation, yeah. because that's the that's what we've been that's what we've received. Reconciliation is a key component of what the atonement was about. And so we have this we have this model from our righteous and just God that says be reconciled with one another. Mm-hmm. And that's dangerous. That's mm-hmm. risky because in order to have true reconciliation, we have to own our faults, we have to recognize the reality of our own sin in our other relationships. And when we've been sinned against, we also have to give them the same forgiveness and grace that we've received. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, is that even though as Christians, we say this, and this is the thing that the kingdom the is ideal. built on. Yeah, this is the yeah. ideal. We still, it's it's still always a risk when dealing with other human beings because mm-hmm. they they have the freedom to not forgive us. They, that is entirely their right. Now, granted, mm-hmm. if they're Christians too, there's at least hopefully the Holy Spirit w- will work in them and say, um, "You're you're required <laughs> yeah. according to what I've yeah, given you, you." You no oh longer man, have the right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah,
1: yeah. You're required to do that, but they still have that freedom. We still have that freedom. We have the freedom to hold grudges if we want to. Now, that's right. death to you. That that is going to yeah, eat you. A, a, right. a, eat you from the inside. But. The the but principle. we can, we and we, we can. often do, uh, absolutely yeah. And I think you know I I, keep, I can't help but think about it th- that uh, participating in our church's recovery ministry has been so key here. And it, it's it's kind of funny because you know we we often you know twelve steps has been around for so long, and people it's it's almost kind of a cliche. But the idea of of having like fearlessly looking at yourself and admitting the truth about yourself is is, a, is so important. And it's actually freeing. And then confessing and making amends also risky, makes you feel vulnerable, exposes you. But until you go through that, You cannot have peace. There is no reconciliation. You're still trapped in that old sinful way of defending, justifying, denying, shifting blame, and doing all those things that we do as sinners. Mm -hmm. And we need to make that. and, And if, but if you want freedom, if you want, if you want to live in a place like you have in the presence of the father, you have to, you have to give that person the permission to act out their role, which is grace and forgiveness. Yeah. So, so going back to a, a family relationship, right? You and your wife could continue to have essentially a relationship that is a, 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 a ledger of debits right. and credits. You totally could. Yep. If you want to do that, you can, or you could do it God's way and say, I am going to forgive. My my forgiveness is going to be my default. And when when something happens that it hurts me, it costs me, I'm going to I'm going to be on my default stance mm-hmm. is to forgive. I will accept their genuine apology, their genuine request for forgiveness and
0: let yeah, let, Grace, let go the ledger. Yeah, yeah. I mean easier said than done just so people know. I mean we I recognize we recognize that that is that's not an easy place to be that also requires I think a bigger context within God like for me to forgive is such a vulnerable thing too because mm-hmm. that means I pay some price I hurt and that is not a simple flip the switch in your will and suddenly you don't feel bad anymore that's not a simple oh my goodness I my default is forgiveness now I forgive everybody and I you know sometimes you well it costs you it does yeah, and sometimes the hurt is so bad mm-hmm. that even the desire to forgive isn't enough for my body and my soul to really th- sink into the safety of God. And that, but so, but which to me brings us to the kind of the heart of the matter, which is again, coming to know God as the certainty of that ideal. He always will forgive, certainly. Mm -hmm. No questions asked, no doubt about it. And the way that we in the church, broadly speaking, I think have... Like one of the jobs of the church seems to be to embody that forgiveness of God and give people an encounter of it, a direct encounter of it. So like a church where a community that I go to... So the church has done this in different ways, and I think sometimes institutionalizing it is necessary for example, hmm, like, hmm. well, I think of even like so to bring it to very specific context for me, I've been thinking about this lately. One of the reasons we set boundaries around something like spiritual direction, there's a boundary of confidentiality, right? I'm I'm committed to total confidentiality. I'm committed to we, we set time boundaries, we set we there's boundaries around this thing which demarcates it, even the relational boundary. Like it's not. I would not be my best friend's spiritual director because our relationship is too close. We set these boundaries so that there is a space where the human element, the fallen element has some protection against it. I can walk into the room with a pastor and you know, so confession in the traditional churches, pastors have even in our country have legal protection about the confidentiality of what's told them in in confession. Priests have that. But reason you do things like that is that removes sort of the human element of this guy could take advantage of this information. I have recourse if my pastor or my priest takes what I say in confession and spreads it around, I can cause him to lose his job. (laughs) (laughs) And the reason you do that is it creates a little bit of a moment, a space within a human context where we can experience the kind of certain certain safety we would have with God himself. And I think churches can do that in a lot of different ways, but that is the ideal that the church is there to do. It, it sh- the church, any church, should be a place where I can come with my darkest of sins mm-hmm. and know for certain That I am not going to receive condemnation. I'm going to receive help, care, love. You mentioned, and I'll, you mentioned even the like the recovery communities. That's one of the key things they do. They set boundaries around Mm -hmm. making your amends. They, Mm -hmm. so that it's safe. They even set boundaries, you know, that's why it's anonymous, even like it's safe to be in that space and to admit your greatest fault because everybody around you, you know, also is doing this and therefore it's okay to say it and I'm going to receive not condemnation. In fact, and this is even better, this is brilliant. And this is exactly what God does for us. When I come into that place and I say, here is my deepest, darkest sins. Here's the worst of me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to hide it anymore. What God says, what that community says, what the church ought to say is, You are one of the most courageous people I've ever met for having done this. This is what makes you the hero of the faith, literally a hero of the faith, courage in faith. You have been willing to trust us with this. Mm -hmm. You know, who we should be holding up as examples and pillars of the faith, the saints, are the people who admit their sin in safe, good contexts, of course. Mm -hmm. But those are the people that have the greatest courage. Those are the people who are most faithful. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, and I would even say in response to that, they're also the people that experience God's grace most intimately because, because the, the, the richness of God's grace is, is only experienced whenever we really get to that point of we, we actually do understand how bad our sin is. We actually Mm -hmm. understand like, oh man, this, this is really bad. This, this, the person that's forgiving me this it's costing them so much and yet they're still doing it and the and being able to receive that grace is is such a a, a beautiful experience it's so satisfying it's i mean it's it's what we sing about it's amazing mm-hmm. grace and mm-hmm. it's definitely for for those people who are willing to enter into that not only with god but also with um our brothers and sisters in Christ—that's that's where the true richness is. It's mm-hmm. that's where yep. you experience that on, on such a deep and profound level. It's it's
0: amazing. It's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. I think Christ, the character of Jesus, that we've been kind of t- trying to talk about—the the way that He will respond to your sin—is certainly good is certainly kind, is certainly loving. He is so intensely cares about your personal well-being. I think that character of Jesus also is the only context in which we can accurately hear the gravity of our evil, Mm -hmm. right? It's, Mm -hmm. It's only when it's the loving, kind, good God who points out my sin that I can mm. actually fully feel it to the fullest, and the, you know, to use Lutheran language, the law has its effect on me. Like I can, oh my mm. goodness, I am really wrong. But really, truly, like to really feel your sin to the core, it has to be get told to me by somebody who cares about me. And I think that's why, you know, Jesus is the one who most exemplifies, most clearly reveals God, mm-hmm. because when he. When he does judge me, that is, shows me my sin, the person behind that judgment, if it's Jesus, isn't doing it to hurt me, Mm -hmm. isn't doing it to destroy me, isn't doing it to put me out in the cold, Mm -hmm. but is only doing it for my good. And then you really can feel it. And then you really can have that grace that you're talking about. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, you,
1: you used Lutheran language to say the law has its effect on you. I've never heard that phrase, but I love that. For me, what as I, as we were on that same train of thought was what in evangelical circles often point to is they point to the crucified Jesus and they go they go to the gospels and they explain, like this is what crucifixion was. That's how much your sin cost. And mm-hmm. and the the encouragement of people to Look at that to to mm-hmm. face the consequences of your sin laid on Jesus's shoulders. Mm-hmm. and whenever you behold that, you start to then you then you recognize that the flip side of that is that's how much he loved me. yeah, and that's mm-hmm. and that and so that's the way evangelicals would talk about it is is look at Jesus on the cross. that's how much your sin cost God mm-hmm. to forgive. and then the response to that is, Holy cow, that's how much God mm. loves me. He was willing to go mm. through that to clear mm-hmm. the debt between us so that we could be together.
0: Mm. Mind explosion,
1: mm-hmm. right? It blows mm-hmm. your mind because it's.
0: Yeah, there's it's, the encounter with the love of God. Yeah. That actually does make change happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not. It gets messed up when it's said you better change before you can have the encounter with a loving God. You got to have the courage to. Admit your fault and then you can have an encounter with the loving God. No, no, no. It's the other way around. It's right. the encounter with the loving God, the external change that makes any internal change happen or possible. Yeah. Maybe that's a good place to leave it. But how the heck do you pronounce Worc- is it Worcestershire sauce? You you just say it fast. You just say <laughs> Worcestershire. Worcestershire.
1: Worcestershire. 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 And yeah and here's the funny thing this is an english word english speakers should be able to do it right <laughs> it's not hungarian or, or or arabic this this should be doable right no it's not doable you fake it to, and you just pretend, and you say it with confidence and you just <laughs> m- make people believe you're doing it right worcestershire pass me the worcestershire sauce i'm marinating some <sighs> steaks give me some worcestershire oh my gosh and and if it's wrong you deny <laughs> That is wrong, yeah. and you you <laughs> tell them that make, they're wrong
0: <laughs> to make excuses for why you can't. Uh, oh my gosh! And how do, how the heck do you actually spell it? I've seen W O R C E S T E R, and I've seen W O R C E S T E R S H I R E.
1: Right. Oh my gosh! I just look. Yeah. I
0: just looked this up. I I literally just looked this up on Wikipedia. It's got both spellings. <laughs>
1: Worcestershire sauce. Invent-
0: yeah, it's invented in the city of Worcestershire, in- but it's spelled both ways. The city is W-O-R-C-E-S-T-E-R, Worcester, in Worcestershire, England. So it's both. Oh my gosh. This is the worst. First of all, I love Worcestershire sauce. I think it's delicious. It's absolutely amazing but it is it is way harder to say than I'm sorry. That's all I got to say. It's way harder to say. <laughs> oh. Matt, I don't know if this conversation got anywhere, but I feel like it was a fun conversation to have. And it's really good to have you back on the back porch. Thank
1: you. Yeah, it's been great. And I, and I feel like there's so much more we could talk about going to even just riffing on this topic. I feel like we could do a multitude of episodes on what biblical forgiveness looks like. And oh, I, I mean, and we really even have I am not
0: ready to have that conversation. <laughs> I, I will readily admit this is something that's been in my mind for a while now. And I I do, I feel like having the conversation of what is forgiveness would break me because <laughs> I don't know that I'm ready for that. Sure.
1: Well, and, and, and I mean, we didn't even touch on the qu- well, we touched on it a little bit, but we didn't even really tackle the the question of why is it so hard to ask for help, right? Yeah, because that's that's a, another subject all on its own. But I th- I feel like we we did I feel like we did have a really good ability to pinpoint what is it that makes those things hard, and it's our own sin, it's our own insecurity, and the answer is in the gospel, and the yeah. answer is the fact that we stand forgiven and accepted and abundantly loved by our creator and because of that it gives us the ability not it doesn't make it easy but we do have the ability and the opportunity to be able to say i'm sorry and ask for help yeah it's it's because it's because of our our position between us and a righteous god And what he's Mm -hmm. done for us that gives us the freedom to do that without that Mm -hmm. it it just goes back to that old sinful way of doing it right Mm
0: -hmm. yeah yeah and the call for us as christians to be creating embodied encounters of that to be the places where other people experience the freedom to admit that without ramification without retribution without condemnation like one like that is so central to the job of the church to the job of Christians, to other people in this world, is that we are the place, Mm -hmm. Lord willing, where you can actually experience that from another human being in the flesh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Listeners, thank you for joining us today. Before we close, I want to mention that we do, I've mentioned this a few times. We have an an email address. It's simple. It's podcast at signpostin.org. And we'd love to hear your feedback. We'd love to get your questions. We'd love to have you reach out to us and tell us what's what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show. Just give us your feedback. We'd like to hear how we're doing. Again, the email address is podcast at signpostin.org. And we do try to respond to all of those, and we'd love to hear from you. So please send us an email. Tell us you're listening. Tell us what you like about it. And also, very important, we could really use your help ex- expanding the audience. So- if you have found any one of our episodes interesting, would you do us a favor and send it to your friends? It's We're on every podcast app out there as far as I know. And so please just send a link to your friends to listen to our show. And please, please, please give us a five-star review on whatever app you listen to. That is a huge help for us. It takes a few seconds. You don't pay for the show. So why not? give us a five-star <laughs> review and pay for it that way. That would be really helpful.
1: Although, although Brandon, it's I, I'm, I've got it. I've got my phone beside me all the time. Cause I'm expecting any day now that exclusive Spotify premium membership thing call to come in and say, we want to purchase the signpost and podcast It's so popular. We want to have it exclusively on our platform. No.
0: Yeah. It's, yeah, it's any day now be,
1: I expect it any day. I'm sure
0: I'm going to say no. <laughs> if they do that though, that's a sellout. I won't do that. Um, <laughs> Wow. Actually, though, that does bring me to one other thing, listeners. If if you know somebody that we should get on the show to interview, if you have connections to somebody who's written an awesome book, send us an email about that too. We would I, I we would love to do that. We would love to get people on here that you think would be exciting and interesting for us to interview. So yeah, again, email podcast at signpostin.org. And I think that's enough for us today. So do you want to take us out, Matt?
1: Absolutely. Listeners, thank you for joining us on the back porch. It's been great having you, and may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you wherever the road takes you.
0: Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a production of Signpost In, a nonprofit Christian ministry dedicated to helping people connect with God and find direction. We offer spiritual direction, retreats, and lots of other resources like this podcast. Please visit us at signpostin.org to learn more. We especially want to thank our generous donors who support our work and keep this podcast going. If you've benefited from something you've heard on this show, please consider supporting us by making a tax-deductible gift at signpostin.org donate. That's signpostnorg donate. And thank you.